You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, we're back in the swing of things with episode 223 of the Pimcron Warhammer podcast. We're brought to you today by GameAt.eu, that's event 10 for 10% off, and Panhandle3D.com will give you 15% off your order with Shorehammer as the code, one word, S-H-O-R-E-H-A-M-M-E-R, and they are our sponsors for the show, as well as our beautiful, sexy, mm-mm, good Patreon patrons. Thank you for supporting the show as well. I love you all. So, what are we talking about today? Real Talk is talking about Henry Cavill, and you guys need to pump the brakes on how excited you are about this, okay? Not trying to be a negative Nancy, just realistically trying to look at all the hurdles that he will go through, trying to make a faithful adaptation of 40k on the small screen, I suppose it is. We've also got a Want That or Want That Not with a new Underworld's Grot War Clan, the Gnarlwood something or other, and uh, let's see if we want them or not. And finally, we have an email from Mr. Dave, and Dave has not emailed in for a while, and he is correcting me on something from a previous podcast, and I graciously accept the correction. So that is personal growth. You've seen my character arc this whole time, and I finally am not getting mad when people correct me. See? This is, this is progress. Anyway, what have I been up to? Well, I don't recall. <laughs> Things have been so crazy. First off, I went on a really cool adventure with my middle daughter this weekend. We went up to Atlantic City, New Jersey. For those of you that don't know, it's basically a big casino town. Um, it's kind of like the East Coast Las Vegas. Not quite as crazy, but it is kind of in that same vein. They allow gambling and all that. There's a bunch of casinos up there and hotels. She had a jujitsu match, a uh, tournament that we had to go to. So we went up, spent the night, and uh, then hung out at the casino. And uh, we didn't go to the casino part, obviously, but we went to like the arcades. We played duck pin bowling, went out to dinner, um, just had a lot of fun. It was cool because obviously I have like a small army of children. So it's nice when you can just spend time with just one of them. You know, it's a little it's a little special. So we had a lot of fun. Um, she was in two different tournaments. She got third in the first one and she got second in the second one. So she she did very, very well. She fought exclusively boys because there was no other girls. So she was fighting boys her age and won six out of eight of her matches for the day. So she she kicks butt. We call her the rabid squirrel. <laughs> we do. We do actually call her the rabid squirrel. She's very thin and wiry, but man, she can she can pin people. She can put them in arm bars or choke holds or whatever. She's very good at jujitsu, and uh, she's very uh, off-putting to people because she just runs right at them and and gets in there. You know, you'd expect a girl to be more timid and things like that, but no, she's very unnerving. So that is our rabid squirrel. We had a great weekend together. Um, Atlantic City, you hear a lot of bad things about because it's like, oh, it's run down, it's whatever, because of the gambling. You know how casinos kind of bring in the the bad actors, you know? Um, we didn't really run into anything that was an issue. The uh, hotel was quite pretty. It was very large and bright and colorful and all that. And uh, we did see some homeless people. But other than that, we just stayed in the hotel because I'm, I'm not going to risk. I always feel like when you're in a public area and you're alone and you've got a child or children, it's like a huge target for criminals because they know that you you're at a disadvantage. So I said, all right, Gab, we are going to or I should say Cronet three of four. 
Um, we are going to stay in the hotel and we're just going to chill out here because I am not about to go out and walk around the streets because, uh, I, I don't know, maybe the crime's not bad there, but that's kind of the, the idea that you get from it. And I've been working on brutal space basically every single day and, um, you know, around work and whatnot. And, um, we are, I'm almost done through my first full edit. I'm on page like 84 out of 110, 115 pages. So it's very labor intensive and, uh, but it's, it's going on pretty well, actually. I played a game at the club this week and I played my flesh eater courts. And of course I don't play what the meta is. I don't really, I don't even look at my book ahead of time. I just pick models I want to do and I get stomped every single game when I play my flesh eater courts stomped. And I know they were at least once one of the top tier armies and I think they're still okay in the meta. So I decided, you know what, while I was on this vacation with Gabby, I'm going to take my rulebook and I'm actually going to look through it and actually try to make a list that would at least be competent. I mean, I'm no tournament player, but at least competent. So that's what I did. And I realized, oh, wow, I'm missing out on a bunch of different things. Matter of fact, the game I played where I got tabled by my friend TJ, um, the game I played, I didn't even use half my abilities and stuff. Like, I didn't even know that this guy did this or whatever. So now, ho, ho, ho. TJ, I know you're listening because you listen to the show. You just prepare your butthole for Wednesday. Because <laughs> TJ's going to be like, what? <laughs> I am going to bring my A game. Uh, so anyway, that's. Uh, I also played a brutality game of... Um, I, I've been painting Heroclix to make definitive versions of all my characters. And then all the rest of my Heroclix I've gathered over the last 20 years since I started playing are all going to go in the kit bash bin. So I finished all my X-Men, and they're all painted in the theme of the 90s X-Men. That's what I know, and that's what I love. So that's basically um, what I finished recently, and then I got my old Sentinel Hero Click, the big guy. Played a behemoth battle, put it on YouTube on the Brutality channel. Uh, if you feel like watching that, go check it out. And I think that's it. I'm going to stop rambling because we've got a lot of show to cover. So let's get on with it. Oh, wait, wait. Nope. There's one last thing. My son is so much like me, it's not even funny. And he really likes satire, he likes making fun of stuff, and both of us just despise mumble rap. Do you know what mumble rap is? In case you don't, you know, like, rap is your M&Ms, your Run DMCs, your Dr. Dre's, right? You're the various types of rap. Well, most of the time, a good rapper is someone that you can actually tell what they're saying. Well, the most modern type of rap is mumble rap, where they go, and you don't even know what they're saying, because they're like mumbling, and there's a track behind it, and you don't even know what they're saying. So my my son was like, hey, dad, listen to what I made. And he was making fun of mumble rap, and he made a video on YouTube, and he made his own mumble rap. And I got to tell you, it is very funny. It, it got me laughing so hard because uh, I didn't even know he was making this. I didn't know anything about it, but it is pretty darn funny. So here's a clip from it, just in case you care. Uh, the whole song is three minutes. I'm not playing the whole song. I'll probably play like a minute, but oh my God, it's it's just so funny. Oh, 
kid i swear he's, he's so much like me so uh, i don't know what p- possessed him to make that but i have died laughing um <laughs> let's open the tesseract mailbox Hey, it's the Tesseract Mailbox, and today we have an email at pimpcron at gmail.com. You can also write in at facebook.com slash pimpcron and shoot me a message. Obviously, I'm also on Instagram, but the second P is not in there because they wouldn't let me put it in there, apparently, and whatnot. But anyway, we've got an email from Dave, and it's been a while since Dave has written in, so let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Pimpcron, been a while since I've written in. I just said that, Dave. God. Just listened to the latest podcast and had some thoughts on the new Cadians. Wasn't a huge fan at first, but they've grown on me now. Not sure how useful the knee pads will be. Can't see them protecting the knees well on the outside of some baggy pants. Yeah, I did notice that too. I thought that was a little funny, but maybe it's like regular knee pads like with a strap inside the pants. I don't know. I'm trying to make use of I'm trying to make it sense of it and there's no sense to be made. In my review of that model, I said that I guess they're calling them shock troops now instead of infantry squad, and uh, this is Dave correcting me. On the name, pretty sure they've always been shock troopers. I did have the 1998 catalog, but can't find it. I did find an Imperial Guard collector's guide from 2006 that refers to them as shock troopers. Think it's a title like the Valhallen Ice Warriors or Mordian Iron Guard. Hope this clears it up, Dave. So, uh, he sent me some pictures, and yeah, apparently he's right. I did not realize, I mean, I don't know why it didn't occur to me that Cadian wouldn't have their own name for infantry, but it never occurred to me they were called Shock Troopers. I know about the Mordian Iron Guard, Valhallen Ice Warriors, all that, but I'm interested to find out that the Cadian troops are called Shock Troopers. So thank you for clearing that up, Dave. And I said, hey, Dave, uh, it's been a long time since I heard from you. Got anything else going on in your life? And he says... Hobby-wise, I've been working on some 30k Night Lords, and a mate directed me to a video about making scraps of flesh for decoration. It also had a blood effect technique using PVA glue and super glue. So that's what Dave has been up to. Thank you for writing in, Dave. And, yeah, there's all sorts of neat stuff you can do with super glue and uh, regular Elmer's glue and trying to make flaps of skin and and gross gore. Um, If you've ever been like me and you glue something together and then you realize you've got to touch something up or you're just too eager to paint the model, and you start painting around the super glue. if you get any super glue in the paint on your paintbrush, it starts, like, lumping up. It cures, like, almost instantly. And um, it starts lumping up and making these clumps of paint. So I often thought to myself, you know, if if we did add super glue and paint or super glue and Elmer's glue, I bet it would make this nice, lumpy, gross material. I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing in that technique, but I always thought that would be an interesting technique to use. Um, otherwise, just use green stuff or whatever. That's, speaking of that, I've never used liquid green stuff in my life. Never. Not once. 
I've used green stuff plenty of times, but never liquid green stuff. So if somebody has any recommendation for that, whether or not I should use that, why don't you write that in? Why don't you? And say, Pimpgron, whoa, it's the biggest mistake of your life. Or, you know, the opposite opposite side of that would be, hey, Pimpcron, it will change your life and you will be fantastic after using liquid green stuff. All right, well, let's go on to the next segment. Want that or want that not? On the want that or want that not today, we have a Warhammer Underworlds Warband. A Warhammer Underworlds Warband called Gnarl Wood. Grink Cracks Loon Court. And it's for $42, and um, it seems to be a new warband. It's pretty cool looking. It's seven models, and I will tell you what all of them are like individually. First off, as expected, all of them basically have the Moon Clan Grots. I think they're called Moon Clan. I, I, I don't recall what they're called. The ones with the peaked hats and the moon and the black and the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And um, the first guy has like some sort of moon shield. He's a typical grot. He's got like a hooked pole arm. Eh, he's pretty cool. I mean, I've never seen him. I've never seen one in that pose before. So that's kind of neat. The next guy is actually pretty interesting. He's got a lot of armor on him and he's got some of his armor looks like a moon and he's holding a two-armed polearm sort of thing with a squig tied to the end of a stick. And this, to me, is adorable. I love everything about it. It's so cute. I love when they um, weaponize the squigs, and this one has a lot of character. The first one was just okay. Second one is awesome. The third guy, if you didn't think they could beat the second guy, well, here's the third guy. The third guy is riding a pretty beefy squig. And he's in full armor. You would not think of the uh, Moon Clan Grots as armored, but here's two people in full armor. This guy is basically riding the squig as if it's a steed. It's adorable. He's holding a chain around its horn to control it, and he has a big mallet with spikes on it at the end of a stick. And once again, a fantastic model. The next guy, you're you're going back to mediocrity here. He's just standing there. He's got a sword and he's got a moon-shaped spear. Mm, I mean, a, a moon-shaped shield. That's just okay. The next one, though, then they decided, okay, we've taken a break with number one and four. Let's kick it up a notch again. This next one is pretty adorable. It is two grots together and they have like a giant slingshot type thing and they're going to slingshot this squig. And I love everything about that. I think it's awesome. It's just, it's one standing on top of the other one, and they're slingshotting a squig. That is creative. It's interesting. I love when they put two models on the same base. You know, it's just just so much more interesting. And then the next guy is blowing some sort of fungus horn. Still very cool looking. Um, he's got a bunch of trinkets on him and mushrooms growing out of his hat and all of that. Um, very animated, and I love it. And then finally, you've got the leader, and the leader is wearing um, the typical cloak and all of that you'd expect. He's got some armor on him. He's got a neat little scepter with like a crystal skull, and he's got um, a pole arm. Once again, that seems to be the theme for this group. He's got a pole arm with some moon-shaped blades on it, and uh, he has, you know how the orcs sometimes put the metal jaw over themselves? It's like an armored bridges for the jaw. Well, that's what he's got as well. And it's really hard to tell whether or not it's a full full mask or not. He may be wearing a complete metal full mask, but he is also cool looking. Now, 
Are these $42 cool looking? Mm, I don't know about that. $42 for seven models that are all pretty small. Two of them out of seven are just very basic, but the other five are very interesting and unique looking. Mm, would I pay $8 for five cool looking models? $8 each. Uh, being that I don't play Underworld, I mean, that that's one nail in its coffin, right? But I really do like these, and you know what they've got written all over them? I bet you don't even have to guess. Brutality Skirmish War Game, that's right. And I see the guy on the steed, he's useful. I see the uh, the slingshotting, the, the squig guy is arranged. I mean, really, this is a pretty cool warband. I might actually get this. It's $8 a model, so it's pricey, but they are all unique and they're all cute. Now, I'm counting it as $8 a model because I don't want the two basic guys. They're just whatever. But these five guys could be really cool for a warband. So that would be a want that for me. And I might just end up getting this box set because it's pretty cool looking. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey, it's a real talk with Bimcron, and today we have breaking news. Dun 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 dun. Yes, breaking news. Henry Cavill has decided to take up the reins of a Warhammer series for Amazon Prime, and uh, there's so many things to unpack here. So number one, okay, I know a lot of you are very very excited about this, okay. But I have to be the voice of reason for all of you, okay? You can come back to this podcast in a year, year and a half, whenever that series drops, and you can write in and tell me whether or not I was right, okay? Now, a lot of what we don't realize, and I've followed the movie industry for a long time, I've followed television production and all of that, I've always been, I always thought that might have been one of the things I would have really liked to get into, is production of movies and sets and all of that, or directing or all any of that sort of thing has always interested me, like it probably has interested a lot of you, but I've always been fascinated by the actual industry part of it, not just the artistry part of it. So, the problem is that, well, first off, let's get the good things out of the way first, okay? If there's anybody that is going to have the reins to a Warhammer series, Henry Cavill is probably a good person to have. He seems to genuinely enjoy the hobby, he seems to be interested in it, and he's been kind of courting Warhammer for a while. Remember, like, last winter he went to Warhammer World and chilled out with him on the Warhammer community page and all of that. And, uh, you know, he paints models, and he's, I believe, has a custodies army, and he's, like, super dreamy. I, I get all of that, okay? He's, he's a handsome man, all right? But, and this is a big but... There are so many different hands in the pot, and there's so many hurdles that a series has to jump over in order to be successful or true to the, the source material, that it is definitely a long shot. It's possible, totally possible, especially if he's a producer, which I believe he is, it's totally possible for him to produce a good Warhammer series, and I including all of you, would love to see a successful Warhammer series. So don't don't get me wrong on this. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to say that there are a lot of production hurdles to go through in order to make this work properly. First off, okay, he seems to understand the IP. He seems to be interested in it and all that. And heart and passion and interest is a big part of making a good movie or a TV series. But 
you have to be able to take the setting, and he's going to be doing 40k, uh, presumably. Um, he seems to be into 40k, not Age of Sigmar, and 40k is the bigger property anyway, as far as the zeitgeist goes. So, he's going to be taking 40k. It is a hard background to adapt properly, and the reason why is because it is a very niche game in a very niche hobby, right? It doesn't necessarily appeal to the masses. Okay, we can look to a couple different types of things, such as superhero movies, to see if this is something that's probably going to work out well or it's not, okay? So, you know, we are in a setting of grim darkness and everything's slightly ironic. It's a little tongue-in-cheek about how over-the-top everything is, okay? That doesn't typically go over well with the modern audience. Remember, I'm the guy that wrote articles for seven years that were almost exclusively satire, and after seven years, I still had people saying, What? You're serious? Oh my god! And they would take it seriously, and they would run with it and get mad or whatever, which, of course, I greatly enjoyed. But it goes to show that the average person does not get satire. Now, you could say that's because of the crazy world we live in, alright? Um, I just saw a news article the other day where a woman kidnapped a scientist so that he could make hit her dog immortal, okay? That right there is a TV series <laughs> plot, okay? And that was a real news story article, all right? All right, so <laughs> I feel like the internet has kind of uh, desensitized us to just how crazy the world is, and then you start questioning, you hear something crazy, and you're like, oh, well, they must be serious, because the world is nuts, right? Well, Satire is one of those things that belongs in a sane world because you need people that are reasonable and not super jaded towards the crazy world we live in to go, wait a second, this doesn't ring true, and then you get the satire. Well, 40k is very satirical at its heart, and I'm hoping they'll be able to translate that to the screen, but be ready for that to be one of the very first things they just cut, that they cut off and leave on the cutting room floor. Because that is one of those things that the modern audience probably will not pick up on, and then they'll be confused, and then they'll be called an X, Y, or Z for making it fascist or whatever, because you know the 40k good guys are still not good guys in a lot of cases, right? I hear, like, salamanders are genuinely good people. I hear that ultramarines might be genuinely good people, but there's a lot of people that are not genuinely good people, in the good guy's side of 40k, okay? I'm talking to the choir, I know, but I'm just trying to point that out. And if they go too far into that, people are going to be confused. It's going to muddy the message and all of that. So it's going to be very hard for them to translate any sort of serious satire to the screen. But it is possible. Another thing about the setting is just how grimdark and violent it is. It is almost comically over-the-top and violent a lot of times, and... What kind of rating are you going for on this? Now, I know that TV series are not necessarily rated, but you do have a target demographic, right? You do have, oh, we want, um, you know, 16 and up, or we want 20s and 30s, or we want an older crowd, or it's geared towards children. You have to have your target audience. And the way to do Warhammer properly, I believe, would be to be fairly graphic and fairly violent and all of that. Now, of course, there are subtle ways they can, you know, kind of cut down on some of the blood and cut down some of that, but it's going to be very violent. It's called Warhammer, okay? It's about, in the far future, there is only war, okay? So, 
they're definitely going to be going for at least a, a PG-13, at the very least PG-13, and honestly, it would be better if it was an R, if you're looking at movie ratings. So you really do want an adult audience. The problem with this is if it goes too far one way, people that are normies, people that are not in the hobby, are just going to write it off. Because they're going to be like, oh, this is this is trying so hard to be gritty and dark and blah, blah, blah. They're just going to write it off as some edgelord thing, which is not that far from the source material. But of course, you and I know the source material is intentionally way over the top. But the average person is not going to know that. So they're just going to think, oh, it's this try hard neckbeard, whatever thing. So that's going to put off some people. Okay. And being that you are not going to be geared towards children, most likely, then you're going to cut out that whole demographic. So remember, parents need to be able to watch this you know, around their, maybe not around their children, but I mean around their children being up at night. So this is going to end up being in the same category as your, um, you know, your, your Game of Thrones, your House of the Dragon, your HBO stuff, your Sopranos, that sort of thing. It may not be that serious and that gratuitous as any of those, but it's still going after that same audience. So you have a certain amount of time in the day, if you're an adult and a parent, that you can actually watch these type of shows. And it's competing against some pretty stiff competition. So that is another hurdle for them to go over. And then we get to the Amazon and the investor issue. Do you know how many movies, I would say most of them, have been ruined or manipulated or tweaked in the wrong direction because of studio interference? Listen, I love movie reviews, podcasts, YouTube channels, all of that. I love hearing the production and what the original script was and then how it had to be changed and all. I love that stuff. I've listened to hundreds of hours of that sort of talk. And I can tell you that all the time, most of the time, especially in modern times, the studio has their hand in it. Because if you're going to do a Warhammer 40k show right, you are going to need lots of money. You're going to need lots of CG. I mean, just these space marines are supposed to be gigantic, right? I mean, Henry Cavill's a tall guy, but they're supposed to be giant. So you're talking about suits that are basically like cosplay suits that are going to make them look huge, or you're looking at a bunch of CGI and, and all of that. Not to mention all of the Lord of the Rings style camera effects to make all the normal people look so much smaller than them if they're up against, you know, guardsmen or whatever. So there's going to be quite a budget on this. Well, I don't think Henry Cavill is prepared or willing or able to completely bankroll this series. Okay, that's why he's got it signed up with Amazon. Well, Amazon certainly does have a lot of money. They dumped a ton of money into that absolute hot garbage Amazon uh, Rings of Power show. And they will obviously throw money at something but it does not make a show good just because you throw money at it. On a separate note, if you require money from other people, such as a studio and investors and all of that, guess what ends up happening? Anytime you borrow money from someone, they kind of have some say in what the final product is because you're playing with their money. I mean, that actually seems like a completely reasonable thing. If you loan this dude $10 million dollars, for some intellectual property you've never even heard of that's way dark and super gritty and violent and all that, you're definitely going to be like, hold up, we need to try to appeal to the common denominator. You're going to cut that satire out right now. 
You're going to cut out that gratuitous violence. Now, I mean, you still have violence, you'll still have gore. But the gratuitous chain sword into the orc face spraying blood everywhere may or may not actually be in that series. You know? Um, you're going to end up saying that you want things done a certain way. And no matter how much love and how much passion and how many promises Henry Cavill actually makes to, oh, stay true to the source material and all of that, I wholeheartedly believe him. That is his intent. He seems to like the IP, and he's going to do everything he can to preserve it. But the issue with that is that once he starts asking other people for money, he starts having less and less and less say, even if he is the producer. So that is the issue, um, just like we ran into with Rings of Power and, and all these other shows that are bombing because they're not listening to the fans and they want to rewrite stuff and they want to do stuff that doesn't make any sense and, and all of that. I'm not going to get into all of that, but you have to look around at other projects and see how they kind of ruin everything they touch in a lot of these places, a lot of these different IPs. I'll go off on a tangent here just for a minute, and I never thought that I would live to see a time where they were remaking the things that I loved from my childhood and being disappointed that almost all of it is a pale, anemic, weak, very obvious, transparent cash grab. And it's all, oh, remember this? Remember that? And they just grab money for it. And this is talking about the corporations in general. So, I mean, if I could just start naming stuff off. Okay, um, Ninja Turtles had all those reboots in the movies, right? And just milked it for everything they were worth. I actually thought they were, the first one is the only one I saw. And the first one was actually kind of okay. They made a lot of changes, but it was kind of okay, right? It was not a terrible movie. What about Power Rangers? Once again, Power Rangers, I thought, was a very kind of generic movie. It was okay. It was pretty much inoffensive, but it wasn't great. They didn't capture that same energy of the original Power Rangers. What about Ghostbusters? They did finally make a fairly good movie, right, with the Ghostbuster IP and made an official Ghostbusters 3 and all that. But then they failed because none of the new characters are very interesting. I was so excited to see um, the whole original gang back together, obviously minus Egon because he's passed away. But I was so excited to see that when I walked out of the theater, I was like, wow, that was really good. And then, you know, after it wears off a little bit, you're like, you know, that movie, it was not bad. It was just very okay. <laughs> like, And then you had the very obvious product placements in it, you know, and it just... I don't know. It's like, I feel like Hollywood in a, in a lot of cases is completely creatively bankrupt. And um, any a large IP is going to need a lot of money and is going to have a lot of hands in the pot and a lot of say. And that's just what's going to happen. So it's going to be a very run-of-the-mill, generic, bland cash grab. And that's what it's going to be. Now, of course... Um, I could go on Transformers and I mean, even the new Star Wars and the new Star Trek and everything else that I loved in my childhood is basically destroyed. OK, I, I'm being hyperbolic there, but it, it is not the way that I wished it had panned out for most of these Predator, Terminator, Aliens. I mean, come on, we could just go on basically forever um, and talk about how all these franchises have just been squeezed for the last little ounce of dollar they can get out of it with no real love or anything like that. When you start getting into money and investments and all that, it's just for money. These investors could not give a crap what the Predator homeworld looks like. They just want to make sure it makes money. That's it. Because they invested their money, they want to make it back. 
you can't blame him for that. It's just the nature of the beast. And, without a doubt, Henry Cavill's going to run into the same exact issue with a 40k series. Going back to the lore for a second, look at how the Marvel movies, as popular as they've been, right, record-breaking and all that, look at how they've kind of um, dumbed it down. They've dumbed a lot of this stuff down for the common audience, okay? Because a lot of the common audience doesn't care about the real origins of these characters and things like that. They want a big boom pal explosion CGI extravaganza, blah, 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 right? And the Marvel MCU is, uh, I mean, of course, it started out pretty darn strong and now it's it's kind of waning and fizzling with a bunch of really nonsense movies that have, been came, that have come out. And they've killed off all their characters and all that. Now, of course, there's a million sides to this story. I know Robert Downey Jr. and some other people didn't want to be involved anymore. I mean, you can't blame them for this to be their only role ever they ever do again. So you can't blame them. And a lot of this is out of the studio's hands. But a lot of it's not out of the studio's hands. And they typically have to water things down and make them more palatable for the average person, not the fan. I think we would have gotten very, very different movies. If the studio was like, you know what, let's just make this movie for the fans. Who cares if anybody else sees it? I don't care about making money. I don't care about breaking billions and billions of dollars or trillions of dollars of box office records. I just want to make a movie for the fans. I think we would have had probably direct adaptations, like one-for-one movie adaptations of the comic book. But you got to make money. You have to appeal to the broadest common denominator. So you basically have to slightly tweak it, water it down, trim this, cut that, you know, and, and make it fit to a, a more broader audience if you're going to make your money back. And all these investors are knocking down your door going, hey, we want our money back and we want more than we gave you. So that's a lot of the hurdles that he's going to face. And I'm sure he knows all of this. I'm not saying anything he doesn't already know. He's been in the industry for a long time. So I think that's you know, that does help being that he does have clout and he does have um, some more say in star power. Now, I am sad he's no longer going to be in The Witcher. That does make me sad because he was the best Geralt that there could be. Um, that he was a fantastic character in that show. Now, the show itself, I was kind of eh, but he was he was quite good. I didn't see the second season. The first season was OK. I uh, didn't really think the second season needed to be watched, so... Um, didn't see that. But anyway, so I know you guys have your heart set on a grim, dark, gritty, dark, satirical, blah, 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 true to form, you know, finally seeing all this in live action play out on the big screen, or I guess the small screen rather. Um, I know you're excited for all this, and I too am very cautiously optimistic about this. But you have to know that if this ends up not being true to form, you know it's probably not Henry Cavill's fault. It's the fault of him needing money to make this thing and then people wanting their money back in spades. That's basically what the situation is, and it's not his fault. I do, for one, believe that he probably does have its best interests in mind, so I'm happy to hear that he's going that route. Anyway, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, okay? I'm very excited, just as you are, but I am very cautiously excited. Just think of Power Rangers. Think of Transformers or Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters or Star Wars or any of those 
next time you go, oh man, this is, you know, he's going to do it right. Oh, I'm so excited. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, listen, there's a lot of steps where this could fail. A lot of points. We may end up getting a good series and I sure hope we do. I truly do. But if you really look at the odds, it's, it's like, if you really look at the odds of wounding someone in 40 K, right? You got to pass the hit roll. If you hit, okay. You got to pass the wound roll. Oh, did you wound? Okay. Got to pass the save roll up. Oh, they didn't save it up. Oh, wait, and I got feel no pain. Get to pass that. Oh, thank God I did one damage. When you actually look at that, if that was a four up, four up, four up, four up, right? They got all those four ups. That sounds like, oh, I've got a pretty good chance of wounding them. I've got a four up to hit, a four up to wound. They've got a four up save and a four up feel no pain. Well, that you would require 16 hits statistically for you to even wound them one time. Now, so that's what I'm saying right here is that each one of those rolls is basically one of the points where he could fail. So you've got like a, just given that stupid example, like a one sixteenth chance that everything goes great. And those odds are not fantastic. So just, just take a deep breath and <laughs> prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> I'll see you all next week as episode 224. Thank you to GameAt.eu for supporting the show, and thank you to Panhandle3D.com for supporting Shorehammer and supporting the show. We will see you next week, and thank you for my beautiful, sexy, good smell and Patreon patrons! (laughs) 